Good morning, church. Good to see you all as well. Introduce myself. My name is Pastor Justin. I know it's been a couple weeks since I preached, so I thought maybe reintroduce if you forgot who I was. Um, When I was a bachelor, all my sermon illustrations, uh, as many of you know, were about basketball, right? That's kind of the world I lived in. And uh, now that I've been married, it's become more and more marriage material. Uh, But this morning, my uh, my father-in-law is here visiting from California. All right, and, and his family, the rest, of, and, and so I am terrified to talk about his daughter in front of him. So we're going back to basketball this morning. Uh, we, I grew up playing basketball, was a sports junkie, uh, com, com, uh, competitive junkie. I'm dunking on my sister here with fierce tenacity as she hides behind her little sippy cup. And, and I was, I got after it, I even, I mean, Jill and I, we found even at the dinner table, we, we play games while we eat, and I just want to crush her and the precious treasure that she is, sir. Uh, I said I wasn't going to talk. <laughs> said I wasn't going to talk about marriage. Uh, but I, I loved basketball because I loved competition. I loved the mission. I loved the goal and the teamwork that it takes to meet that goal. And every year when I was playing high school basketball, my coach, Tim Keener, second father to me of sorts, he would put up in the locker room our goal, why it was, everything we did that season, where we were going. And it was, for us, it was to win a region title. So every practice, all of our conditioning, all of the drills, the game we played, everything was moving toward winning this region title, which I knew, I knew there were things about basketball that I loved, there were things that I hated. I hated conditioning. I hated running. I hated it with the passion of a thousand burning suns. But I knew that I needed to run to get into condition to be able to play those games, to win those games, to put ourselves in a position to win a region title. And we did. And not only that, we won a state title. So, you know, I just like to bring up my former glories whenever possible. So, all right, so you clap for my father-in-law, not for state title. That's cool. All right, we'll move on. Um, we, if, think, imagine for a second coming to practice with no goal. What is the point? Like, if I'm just running lines for the sake of running lines, I think that's just a mild form of torture, right? I mean, if, if we're just playing games, practicing for the sake of practice, this is just for fun? Sports isn't about fun. It's about winning, right? No, I shouldn't say that again in front of my father-in-law. Uh, we, many, oh, buddy. Many people today are living this way in their lives, though, right? Without a mission, without a direction. And just like as pointless as it would be to go to practice day after day with, with no goal in mind, many people are waking up in the mornings, morning after morning after morning, with no point, no direction in their life. And there's nothing but hopelessness. Nothing good on the other end of that. But the Bible tells us there is a mission. And we've been called to pursue this, this great goal that Jesus has invited us into. And this month, that's actually what we're doing as a church, is we're stepping back. Remember three weeks ago, we said we asked the question, why are we at this party? What is the goal of everything we're doing in our lives and our mission that we get straight from the Bible, which is our authority? Paul tells us in Colossians chapter 1 that our mission, his mission, was to present everyone complete in Christ Present everyone complete in Christ. What does that mean? This is a God-sized goal that we want to see everyone on planet Earth, as many people as possible, getting into a relationship with Jesus, then growing up to become like Jesus and going out on mission with Jesus to bring more people into relationship with Jesus. Like uh, Pastor Ross underlined last week, we're called to do this together, that we are a gospel-centered community. He said we're invited into this relationship with God and others to be members of this specific body with a specific goal in in mind. So we say, I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to do it with this specific group of crazies, right? I love you, but you're all crazy, right? And I am too, which takes one to know one. 
we're, and we're called into community, but not just into community. We're called to be in community and then to go out on mission. Now, I don't have time in my uh, sermon this morning. I had to cut this out. But for those of you who are following along with the notes in your little handout, there's some, a couple blanks up here. Get a lot of people after the service. But I didn't put a blank up on the screen. They get mad with me. So if all you with OCD, go, go and fill these blanks out. All right, make yourselves feel good. So here's the, we're, we're a called to be a part of a missional community. A community that goes out on mission. And, and when you think about it, what, what, what could this look like as a community on mission? How beautiful would it be if we're all stepping forward in the same direction, just like my basketball team, that we're all moving toward the same goal, listening to the same coach. If we were called, picture an orchestra, it's all playing different instruments, but we're all playing the same song following the same conductor. If you and I are all on the same page in lockstep with our eyes following the great King and God, Jesus Christ, in the same direction, how beautiful and purposeful our lives could be. So what is the mission of our community? Well, to finish the vision statement, we say we're a gospel-centered community reproducing disciples of Jesus. This is how we present everyone complete in Christ, to be a gospel-centered community reproducing disciples of Jesus. Say that with me. A gospel-centered community reproducing disciples of Jesus. Once again, we're a gospel-centered community reproducing disciples of Jesus. One more time, a gospel-centered community reproducing disciples of Jesus. I told you all I would make you sound like a cult before this month was out, and you're well on your way. That was very cult-like. All right, so this is our, our goal, and we've said in this series that God's heart for us is, first of all, to be getting in. Ross talked about that last week, getting into relationship with God and others through Jesus. Now this week we're going to look at what it looks like to go out on mission together. And next week I'll wrap it up with what it looks like to grow up and become like Jesus. So what is our mission? Well, remember three weeks ago we said back on page one of the Bible, God told us why he created us. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And God blessed them. This is Adam and Eve. And he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. So he gives Adam and Eve their purpose. I put you on this earth to image me, to to relate with me, to walk with me, and to work with me. Go out into this world ruling and reigning under me as your God. But what we saw on page three was Adam and Eve and all of their grandkids to follow stiff-armed God. And they said, yeah, yeah, we'll rule and reign, but we're going to do it our way, on our terms and not on yours. And they walked away from God. And, and since then, man's relationship with God has been broken as sin has entered into the world. And so what was God's response? We're going to talk about it next month. He sent Jesus on a rescue mission to come and through his death, burial, and resurrection to make a way back to God through himself. And so what was Jesus' mission and what is our mission with him? Well, when Jesus came, he came with a very clear message. And we're going to see this. We're going to study through the book of Matthew beginning next month. And he tells us what this gospel is. The gospel means good news. And in the good news Jesus came to preach, it says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, news is not a suggestion. News is announcing a reality that affects everybody who hears it. Jesus came with a reality that would affect everybody who would hear the message. And the reality was this. He said, repent. That means change your way. You were trying to do your life your way on your terms. But the reality is, you're not the king. That's not the good news. That's fake news, right? That's low-hanging fruit. I know. He says, the good news is this. The good news is that I'm here. I've arrived. And I'm the king. Come follow me. Come follow me. I'm about to change everything. 
And so this message, what does it look like for us to rule and reign with Jesus? We're going to look in the book of Matthew at what, what Jesus' kingdom looks like. But two verses later, Jesus invites disciples into this mission with him. And he says this. We looked at this three weeks ago. He told these first two disciples, Peter and Andrew, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So our job, our mission is to go out and proclaim the same good news that, that Jesus was preaching. That we're to go out and tell everybody, extra, extra, read all about it. Jesus is now the king. He died for you. He's given you his life. And as his followers, we t- invite people to come follow Jesus. Get into relationship with him through his death for you, his resurrection life in you. Come follow Jesus. We announce to the world, become like Jesus. And he will transform you into something so much better. Into the image of God as you were originally created and intended to be. And then let's rule and reign with Jesus. Imaging him, representing him here on earth. Ushering in his kingdom as we were called to do. So our mission is to spread the good news that Jesus is king and to live like it. Now, what did Jesus tell his followers to do? Well, what did he just tell Peter and Andrew? He said, come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Our mission to present everyone complete in Christ said it's reproducing, making disciples. This is what Jesus commanded his first disciples to do in Matthew 28. He was calling us into discipleship. And that's what you see up on the screen, a discipleship. <laughs> you gave me two weeks off. Had a lot of time on my hands. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. How do, we, how do we do this? How do we do this? Not just as individuals, but as a community. Well, we say that our, our vision is to be a gospel-centered community reproducing disciples of Jesus. And we say that our method, there's, there's three things that we want to be a part of to see this come to fruition. It's that we engage, we equip, and we empower. We engage, we equip, and we empower. So back to basketball, because I don't, I don't want to talk about my marriage today. Um, when, as a basketball coach, we would, we, when you teach somebody how to do a layup, a very bad way of trying to instruct coach to get little kids to, to do a proper layup would, a bad way to be, would, hey, why don't you go over and sit down on the ground and watch me for three hours do a layup over and over and over. Are you guys catching this? Are you taking notes? Are you following along? Right? For three hours, they're bored out of their mind just watching me. What a good coach would do is to tell them briefly, here's how you do it. Show them a few times, and now I want you all to line up. I want you to get into motion, and I want you to start doing layups. And I'm going to be there as a coach to correct you, to guide you as you are doing the layups. This is a concept of learning that says 10% of what we learn, what we've discovered, 10% of what we learn is through somebody telling me. But then 20% is someone actually showing me what it looks like. But the majority of learning, they say 70% of learning takes place from letting someone do it themselves. So the best way to make disciples, which is our ultimate call, isn't just telling them what it means to be a disciple or even just showing them, watch me as I read my Bible and I witness to somebody, sneak attack outside of Fred Meyer, like whatever. It's not just watch me, listen to me, but it's actually inviting them into making disciples themselves. And then we're there to teach and coach And this is exactly what Jesus modeled. You think about the three years that he spent in ministry in this world. Jesus preached. He preached the good news. The kingdom of God is here. You need to repent. Come follow me. But then he didn't just teach that the majority of what we see over those three years is Jesus modeling it. He shows through his preaching and serving and healing and forgiving and loving and culminating in his dying and resurrecting. He modeled what it looked like to be a disciple of Jesus. Then we also see that Jesus sent his disciples out. And while he was here on earth, he sent them out two by two. 
I want you to go out, preach the kingdom. I'm going to come back. I'm going to course correct a little bit. And then when he left, before he ascended, he sent the disciples out to go and make disciples. And the majority of church history has been Jesus' followers doing the work that he called them to do. And so as this is a three, with, this, with this as a three-step model of how to go out on missional community, let's look at what it looks like to, to kind of walk in this together. First of all, we're going to look at engaging a lost community. This is the tell me. Engaging a lost community. Statistics say that today about every uh, second, two people die. 1.8 people. Every second. And the majority of people between those snaps are heading toward an eternity outside of relationship with God. That breaks Jesus' heart. That's why he came. We see this in Luke 19, that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. It broke Jesus' heart, and it ought to break our heart as well, to have a Christ-like desire to see prisoners rescued, to see the lost found, to see the dead raised to life. Now listen, you and I, we don't have the power to save anybody. But what we can do is point them to the Savior that does. And in fact, that is our job. And we have to do this. This is what we were called to do. Look at Romans chapter 10. For everyone, verse 13, who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? You see the progression. If we don't speak, if we don't preach they don't hear it. If they don't hear it, they can't believe it, and they cannot call on the one who can save them. Therefore, he says, faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. We've got a job to do, and if we don't speak, people will not be rescued. We cannot be silent. In fact, it's disobedience. Because our job, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, therefore we are ambassadors, his images, representatives on earth, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is the message that we're telling this dying world, that there is a way to be reconciled to your God, and it's through the person and work of Jesus. So we ask the penetrating question, when's the last time I've told someone about Jesus? Someone who didn't already know him, is not following him. I opened my mouth and spoken the good news. We're all called to do this. But what do we say? That learning, only 10% of learning is through tell me. So we do need to start there, but we cannot finish there. Remember, the, the, the mission is discipleship. So this first step, the lost saved, the sinner found. This is, this is and don't miss this. This is the starting blocks. It's not the finish line. This is the beginning. It's not the end. Because the second part is we are to equip a living community to show them. Discipleship is not just taking someone through a gospel track, the Romans road, get them saved, and then say, okay, now hunker down until Jesus gets back. The mission, now that we're raised from the dead, now that we're a living community, now the fun can start. Now we can actually start doing what Jesus called us to do. And look at what it is that he called his disciples to do. Matthew 28 the Great Commission, Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I'm the king. Right? I'm in charge now. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples, not just converts. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And do you see this last part here to underline it? Teaching them to observe all I've commanded. You read the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to walk through Matthew. Jesus had a lot to teach his followers about following him. You see, Jesus calls us into discipleship, which is a complete life change. This is more than just your salvation punch card. 
This is a transformation. And think about what it meant for Peter and Andrew. When he said, come follow me, they threw down their nets and followed him. This was a change of job. This was a change of friendships and community and purpose. And for us to be disciples of Jesus, if we're really following him, this is going to be a complete life change. Everything will be different and better when we're following in the footsteps of our Savior. So step one is tell me, preach the gospel. Step two is show me, come follow me. What Paul said is imitate me as I also imitate Christ. This is the growing phase of the believer's life. And so we ask ourselves, am I telling people about Jesus? But also ask the question, am I imitating Christ? Because make no mistake, we're all making disciples of some sort. What kind of disciple are we making? Because the reality is we make what we model. We make what we model, and we see this in the clearest instance for a parent, right? Which can be a terrifying concept. You're modeling, and you're making a disciple of some sort. So if you walk with your hands in your back pocket like this, you know what your little kid's going to do, right? You dress snazzy, your kid will dress snazzy. How much time, you might want to tell your kid how much time to spend on their screens, but how much time do you spend on your screens? Because that's actually what's going to stick. And how do you mow the lawn with a beard? Yeah, come on. So when you yell out that four-letter bomb, then two seconds later, whoop, Junior says the same thing in a higher voice, you've modeled something, right? Don't pretend like you don't do that ever. I'm going to bug some of your cars on the way to church. <laughs> Is my life worthy of imitation? You see, people are not going to believe that God loves them just by telling them. We have to show them. The way the world is going to believe that Jesus is who Jesus is, is the way, what does he say in John chapter 13? By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Not just if you say the right things, but if you are the kind of community that I've called you to be. This is how we model for the world the best evidence of the gospel is a transformed community in the way that we love one another. This puts our money where our mouth is. We're going to show the rest of the world what it looks like when Jesus is king. We've got to be patient with each other, forgive one another, bear with one another, share our belongings with one another in a way that is totally foreign to the rest of the world. A transformed individual in a transformed community. We're telling the world that Jesus is king. We're showing the world that Jesus is king. But there's one more step. We said that 70% of learning comes through letting someone do it. And now the lost have been found and they're living, it's time to empower a loving community to send them out and let them do it. This is discipleship, not just telling someone how to be a disciple and not just showing them what it looks like to be a disciple, but actually inviting them in to the discipleship-making process themselves. been walking this road the last couple years uh, with my boy Robbie, and again, I told you, I put these pictures I found from his early days up on the screen as much as possible, and I came up with a new term for him based on this picture. I call him heartthrobby. You see what I... Mm-hmm. He loves it. That's his new Twitter handle. So we, as I was discipling Robbie, uh, I was going to have him preach, Chuck liked that one, a couple weeks ago uh, when he preached. That was his first sermon he never preached. And so I went through this model with Robbie, right? I first engaged him and I told him, right, drop your guitar and follow me. You're preaching this fall, right? And he wet himself just a little bit. 
So I, I call him in. He says, are you serious? You want me to preach? I'm just a youth director. I say, yeah, yeah, God saved everybody. You can do it too. So I engaged Robbie, told him. And then I'm equipping him, right? I'm showing him what it looks like. We're walking through some of the steps behind the scene. But ultimately, I'm modeling it for him as I'm actually up here preaching myself. So he's going to most likely be preaching in an imitation of me, which is why he did so awesome a couple weeks ago, right? Uh, That's arrogance. I'll repent of that later. Uh, But I also then had to empower him. I had to let him actually preach the sermon. And this is the most important part. The most terrifying part of this whole process was handing my microphone over to the youth director. That's a scary thing. And what we walked through was for weeks, hours, talking about what he was going to preach on, brainstorming, walking through it. No, you can't say that. That's actually heresy. I'm sorry. Uh, I've shown him how to use cool PowerPoint graphics up on the screen, showing him all the things that, that I would do. And then it was actually time to let him preach. And for many of us who have been in ministry for years, this is actually the hardest part of discipleship. In the words of the famous theologian, Elsa, <laughs> you got to let it go, let it go got to engage, equip, empower, then exit. This is the important part for us. If we're going to make disciples, is to actually get out of the way. Now, I'm going to confess to you here. I'm one of those people with control issues. And it's easy to look around and go, you know what? You're not doing it the way I want you to do it, so here, I'll just do it. But I could tell Robbie, yeah, you're doing okay, but that's not the song I would have chosen to end the sermon with. So why don't you get out of the way and I'll just sing the rest of the songs from here. And then, and then Lisa, that was decent. Deanna on the announcements, but you didn't say everything I wanted to say. So here, I'll just do announcements. And then Jeannie, you're not getting the PowerPoint in the back fast enough. Here, I'll just do the PowerPoint. And then I'm going over to the study school class and going, that's not how you do it. You do the animal crackers at the end of the lesson. you got to dangle that carrot. I'll teach the Sunday school lesson. Our custodian, Sheila, you're not vacuuming the right way. Here, just get out of the way. I'll vacuum. And before you know it, I'm vacuuming. I'm handing out goldfish. I'm in the back running the PowerPoint. I'm up here playing the guitar. I'm over here preaching. And I'm going to lose my mind, right? It's an unhealthy way to run a church. Got to make disciples. Empower them and then get out of the way. They say 20% of the church members are doing 80% of the work. Some of that's because 80%, uh, some of them are unwilling to step in, but just as much of that is the 20% not letting that 80% in. Engaging them and giving the ministry over. Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He came to his Timothy, right? His actual Timothy. He said, you heard me, you saw me, and now you need to do it. And this is what we're called, as church leaders, Paul lines out in Ephesians 4 very clearly. It's not just the job of a few church leaders to do all the ministry. What does he say in verse 12? Church leaders, that he refers to back from verse 11, equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a saint. And the job of a church leader is to equip the church, to do the ministry. We all are called. We've been given gifts and passions and spheres of influence And our job is to equip you to do the ministry alongside of us. This is what it means to empower. The dictionary says it's to give someone the authority to do something. Jesus said, all authority has been given to me. I'm giving it to you to go out and make disciples. Now, hear me on this. Empowerment doesn't mean abandonment. Empowerment doesn't mean abandonment. The coach doing layups doesn't tell his team how to do the layups and then go out and have a coffee break. He's there actively engaged, showing them, no, 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 remember, inside foot, outside hand, inside, no, that one looks more like a seizure, I wouldn't do it that way, right? Always course correcting. And so as we're making disciples, we're coming alongside, encouraging, correcting, cheerleading, 
as they do the work of the ministry. And this is exactly what Jesus modeled for us. He didn't just say, go do it and then peace out. What did he say? We often forget it, but at the end of the Great Commission, the final line he says is this, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He empowered us with his very spirit in us to go do the work. He did not just tell us and show us and then go take a a couple thousand year vacation. He is with us every step of the way. In fact, the only way we can bear any fruit that glorifies God is if it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So discipleship isn't just a part of what we do at Peninsula Grace. It's not just a wing, a ministry that we do. We believe biblically discipleship should be in the very fabric, the DNA of everything we do as a believer. So in other words, everything that you're doing if you're doing what you're, when you're going out to, to, to reach the lost, when you're, when you're here, if you're if, as a preacher, uh, th- this is what I was called to do. If, if you are a, a worship leader, if you are a greeter, if you are working in children's ministry, whatever it is that you're doing, you bring someone alongside to do it with you. This is the Paul and Timothy relationship we talked about. This is the I do, we do, you do. I do it as you watch, we do it together, and then you do it as I coach, correct, and encourage Remember, our job is to make disciples who can make disciple makers. And if we don't let people do it, it can be a very small church with a very few amount of people trying to do all of the work of the ministry. We said that every second, two people die. Most of them separated from God in their sins. On the other side of eternity, the choice is final. We don't just have a mission, guys. We have the most important, urgent mission on the planet That's why we don't have time to argue over worship styles. That's too many hymns. That's not enough hymns. The color of the carpet. We we cannot nitpick here. We have a major on the majors. And for us to be a successful team, it requires every player engaged in disciple making to make beautiful noises to our God. It's us loving one another and going on mission with one another. So we said that every week we have some um, homework assignments and we had one little step, one big step. So one little step that you may consider. Uh, the, we call it pray for your three. And what we, what we want to see everybody here at Peninsula Grace doing is three people in your life, three people in your life that don't know Jesus, preferably somebody you actually rub shoulders with, have a relationship with, that you're just simply saying, God, I'm going to pray for them every single day. Now, in some senses, this is a small step. But imagine, there's about 500 people who circle through our doors on any given Sunday. Imagine if every single one of those people was praying for three people that don't know Jesus. Every single day, that would be 1,500, no, what is that? 1,500, am I right? I had my math wrong with the second thing earlier. One of our uh, Blair rebuked me between services, so now I'm like all math paranoid. Imagine all the people, right? It's just a lot of people being prayed for. I'm a preacher, not a mathematician. Man, sorry, dad-in-law. Um, We want to be actively engaged in praying for our three. And then maybe one thing I would ask you to do is prayerfully read through and consider. We have a little handout in your thing called Plugging Into Peninsula Grace in your bulletin. And under the Go section, there's opportunities to serve. Now, there are a lot of ways to serve Jesus, and we don't feel the necessity of putting a Peninsula Grace sticker on every way to serve. But there are a lot of ways to serve in our body, through our body, to this community and the world beyond. 
And one thing I just ask you to do is read through that on your own or with your spouse or family and pray for ways that you might be able to get involved in serving. And again, it's not just about the serving. It's, it's about doing it in the context of discipleship relationship, in the context of discipleship relationship. So maybe that's one of the little steps the Lord's prompted in your heart. Or maybe, maybe he's calling you to take one big step today. And maybe for you, that's reaching out to one of those three. That you've been praying for him, but he's opening a door for you to actually open your mouth and preach the gospel or to engage them into a, a, some sort of a relationship. I said a couple of months ago, Jill and I, when we first moved into our new, new uh, neighborhood, we went passing out snickerdoodles in the name of Jesus, right? And so we were just simply handing them out, saying, hey, we're, we're glad you're here in the neighborhood. And then one, our next door neighbor, uh, we struck up kind of a friendship with them and we said, hey, we should get together for games sometime. So last Sunday night, we had them over to our house and we just played games. But then we did that with a couple other people from our church, again, a missional community, as we're just showing people kind of what it looks like just to, just to get together with somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And listen, it didn't have to be weird. Didn't come all in that we, they, we, we trapped them, right? And we, and we just got everybody, get your Bibles out, get them now, right? And we just started kind of pummeling them. No, we just played Uno Flip. That's all we did. And it's a really cool game. If you played Uno, try Uno Flip. It's like Uno on steroids. I just want to put it out there. Don't endorse steroids, but try Uno Flip. So there are a lot of, may, maybe for you, maybe for you, this is, is bringing cookies to your neighbor, inviting them over to play games. Maybe it's making a meal for them, finding a tangible way to serve them. Right? There's a lot of ways to reach out. Offer to watch their kids for them. If they know you and you've had a thorough background check done for them, ways that we can serve and reach out and eventually be able to speak the truth in love, preach the gospel to them. Or maybe, maybe you need to be on missional community. Maybe, maybe God's calling you to actually go serve with somebody. And for some of us, some of us are going, I have no idea how to serve. I, I don't know what that looks like. I've never really done that before. I'm pretty new to this whole church thing. I've never really been involved. Well, all, all this can look like, remember we talked about those Paul-Timothy relationships? Pursue a Paul. Who would be somebody, basically find someone that you see that's doing things that you would love to do and just say, hey, could I come alongside you? Like we saw a couple weeks ago when ACC was here giving their testimonies and Keola was up here. There's, he's in, I think he's in love with Robbie, actually. And he said, I want to be Robbie. I want to lead worship like Robbie. So that's Keola coming up to Robbie and saying, hey, could we get together and chat? I want to know what you do and I want to know your heart and maybe we could play, jam out a little bit together and maybe eventually come up here and play with you. Finding someone who's loving what you would want to do, serving like you'd want to serve, and say, can I just come alongside you? Or maybe you're one of those people that's been involved in ministry for a long time, but you're hoarding your ministry. Our ministry is not for us to possess. We make disciples through it. So whatever it is that you're doing, I had to practice this as a preacher. Who, who, are, who am I making disciples? And bring Robbie up to do it with me, to do it. So whatever it is, you're leading worship, you're, you're in children's ministry, whatever, who's your Timothy? you got to say, I do, we do, you do. There are a lot of different ways to serve. Maybe, maybe you're going to go down to Love, Inc. and volunteer. Well, do it with somebody else, right? Maybe, maybe you're going to reach out to your neighbor. Do it with someone else. Maybe you're teaching Sunday school. Who could you invite to sit under you? They're just handing out goldfish right now, but in a couple weeks, they're going to lead one of the songs or one of the games. And then before you know it, they're going to teach one of the lessons as you're coaching them. And then before you know it, they're teaching a Sunday school class of their own. After this, one of the reasons I'm so excited about the Safe Families potluck that's going to be coming up right after this is the Safe Families comes alongside pre-adoptive um, kind of pre-foster situations. Maybe there's a single parent who's hard up and it's a family taking them in for a few days or a week. And one of the cool things about the ministry, it's done through the local church and it's not just that family saying, hey, we'll take those kids in for a couple days. It's then the rest of our body coming alongside that family and saying, how can we encourage and come alongside you as you're doing that? Maybe it's bringing them a meal. 
Maybe it's bringing some diapers for that stinky little baby. There's a lot of different ways. That, and what we're doing is this missional community together. And so maybe the, the step for you is to actually, the contact card that comes with the little plugging in thing, maybe it's checking the box and saying, I want to I go. I want to be a part of the mission. I want to be a part of this team that's reproducing disciples. Just encourage you to check the box, slip it in the offering plate, or come afterwards to the welcome table, drop that in, and then Pastor Ross or, or Carmen will get in touch with you and show you what does that look like for those next steps. Our coach has put up the goal in the locker room. Coach Jesus said, here's the goal. Here, here's what it was not to win a region title. It's to present everyone complete in Christ, as many people as possible, to get into a relationship with Jesus, to go out on mission with Jesus. That we want to be a gospel-centered community, reproducing disciples of Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful that Jesus came to earth to seek and save the lost. As he saw those people dying and hurtling toward a godless eternity, you moved heaven and earth to make a way back to you. We thank you for your son and the life that is offered through his death and resurrection. There's one path to being reconciled to our God, and his name is Jesus. And if there's anybody here that's not getting, gotten into a relationship with Jesus, they'd press into that today to be Savior, Lord of their lives. And for many of us, Lord, we, we've been with you a long time, but we've been not been doing a very good job at making disciples. That we know how to do the work, but we're not bringing people alongside. We're possessing some of the things that you've told us to give away. To be making disciples. Pray that you'd make that way known. If somebody's here looking for ways to, get ser to serve, that you connect them with other people, develop those relationships, then all of us would be consistently praying for those three in our lives who don't know Jesus there's a short time left. We don't know when you're coming back. We don't know how long any one of these people that we love has left. May we stay on task, major on the majors, being praying for, engaging the lost community and equipping that living community and empowering a loving community. It's all about Jesus. Father, we, we want, at the end of the day, we want to be hungry for Christ and have an overflow of our love and obedience to him that we would go out and invite others to know that Jesus. It is in his beautiful name that we pray. Amen.